my Bills hat. Someone spiked it. I think after the Bills beat the Chiefs this past Monday, was it Monday or Sunday? It was Sunday Night Football. I think Char, Char found it and burned it. Well, she is a Chiefs fan. <laughs> I know. She, and then threw, threw the Chiefs beanie at me and said, get, get on board, buddy. Um, no, but I actually, I think the Grizz might be the best football team here in the back Northwest. What about the Beavs? Cougs beat the Beavs. Oh, wow. I'm out of the loop. That's how bad it is here in the back Northwest. It's actually Eastern Washington, I believe, is 5 and 0. So we have a FBS subdivision or whatever that is 5 and 0. Other than that, Oregon, I think, what, 14th? Beavs lost to the Cougs. Cougs, meh. UW, meh. The Grizz beat UW. Oh, that's right. It's not that down here. It's going to be a long winter. A long winter here. Our our best team in SoCal is San Diego State. Like, I think they're still undefeated. Like, UCLA, yeah, USC. Not is Rocky Long still at, at San Diego State? He's a good know. story. Look that up. Bring him on. Where's our intern? Where's our intern, Ben? I haven't got any help from the intern. Hey, the intern got vaccinated, and he just hasn't come back to work. <laughs> intern got a full-time job somewhere? Yeah. Jeez. Man. Um, Let's get into it. NFL huddle. Big Ben and K-Win. I'm K-Win. If you're listening to this, that other voice, if you're viewing to the left corner, he is Geno Smith's number one fan for the next four to six weeks. My co-host, Big Ben. Every Wednesday night, NFL huddle, West Coast teams. That's all we care about. Two segments to the show. First segment, half hour, the Western Standard Six. Niners. Cardinals, the Rams, the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Seahawks. That's all we care about. We'll give you the highs and lows of week five. And then we have our pro pickup partner, Austin Carden Samuels, coming on the show. You know him from the Bay Area. He went to Bellarmine Prep. Then he went on to college where he's a quarterback for Wyoming. And then Vandy. The Harvard of the South. Went on to coach at Mizzou, and now he's the CEO of Locked In, and some would say he's one of the best QB coaches in the country. So he's going to come on. He's going to talk football. We might even see if we can fly in and get some quick reps in to see who's the better quarterback from Big Bitted K. Win. Uh, let me slight correction there. I, I'm actually going to ask for a fast track on some QB knowledge understanding okay because i i think between jake luton who was a th- third string now backup i i think i could beat him out okay <laughs> I, I think you should ask him when he comes on but before we can love the it. show little 88 acres let's talk about our primary sponsor 80 acres so both the seahawks and the niners are sitting at two and three in the nfc west both are coming off losses, and they need a little pick-me-up. So what better pick-me-up than 88 acres? It's a healthy 
delicious food product at eightacres.com, at eightacres on Instagram, at eightacresfoods on Twitter. And if you go online and use our promo code WST15, again, that is WST15, you get 15% off. Seed bars, butters, dressing, seed nola. They cook and bake everything in their allergy-free bakery, no gluten, no dairy, just delicious snacks. And the pickup that you'll need coming into week six, 80 acres, at acres online, at acres on Instagram, at acres food on Twitter, 80 acres, delicious, healthy food, powers, Big Ben and K-Win. 88 acres. Say it 10 more times. That was good. That was a great plug. Well done. Thank you. All right. So before Austin gets on, let's let's break down this Western Standard Six. It was a hell of a week. Yeah. A hell of a week. Should we should we first address the dark cloud that is the Raiders and just get that out of out of the way? I feel like it's the elephant in the room. It needs to be addressed. Talk I would love it. your opinion on it because. I think the organization might be the first one to actually get relocated out of their relocation place as quickly as they came. Because Vegas, we all know Vegas loves winners. Yeah. If they aren't getting a winner, and it looks like the Raiders aren't doing too hot, and Gruden's on his way out, Mr. Davis might be on the BART back to Oakland here shortly. But I do want to address the whole Gruden thing. Get your opinion get it off our chest and get to football. When the news broke over the weekend, my first thought was that's an unfortunate comment and a very insensitive thing to say about D Smith, the president of the players association. And then once we got wind of like 10 other emails and more information coming out, I was talking to someone today. He offended every minority group out there and for me that was too much it was disgusting it was sick and people are going to say like oh it was 10 years ago or it was my private email like this wasn't acceptable 10 years ago and it's never acceptable in any form of communication i think the raiders did the right thing and i'm just disappointed in that as we're trying to come together, like as a world and as a society and socially, there's still people with their friends that feel some kind of way about people and they're different in public than they are in private. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know the saying. There's some sort of <clears throat> probably saying in around this. You don't know a man until like you hear the words that he says when no one's around. Right. Or in this case, the words he types. Right, that's a judgment of a person. And I think we we got to see who Gruden was. Right, I think we all had a kind of a knack, and you know, I think it comes down to he won that one with Tampa Bay, and you know, with Brad Johnson of all people, and that propelled him and bought him some more years as an NFL coach. I think he fit the mold of a Raiders coach in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, just unfortunate for an organization that had relocated that was so promising. Had a good start to the season, and then this happens. And I don't know from a locker room perspective how you recover. And I don't know if your guys like um, who's now. I, this is my own fault because I'm I'm deep into it. But the first, I'll pick you up here. 
first openly gay gentleman who actually plays in the Raiders, right? How is that respectful to him? Yes, Kale, or Carl Nassib, sorry. Nassib, not Nasser, but Nassib. that's a whole different individual conversation for another day. But I think where I'm going with this is, you're right. There's so many things going on in the world as we come together, no matter when you said it, how you said it, what context you sent it in, and why you would put it in an email is beyond me, especially to another patron or person within the organization, right? Um, it's just an unfortunate situation for the Raiders. So um, I don't condone it, nor do I view Gruden in any better, or I guess I just see him as an unfortunate individual probably maybe got caught up in the moment, but in the context of how many emails were sent, probably not the nicest or best guy to be associated with. So I agree with Mr. Davis did. Do you agree with Thursday night football results from last week? Do you want to start there? How do you want to proceed with the Western standard set? Oh yeah. Let's, let's crunch that one too. That's the other elephant in the room. Go ahead. Lead off. You're in LA. I'm in Seattle. You can talk about McVay and the Rams and how they won. Go ahead. So everyone was curious to see how the Rams were going to bounce back. So in week four, they played the Cardinals. And they were coming in high off a Bucks win. And the Cardinals came in, lights out, and destroyed them. The game wasn't even close. They had no answer for Kyler Murray. So on a short week of Thursday night, they come into Seattle. They're playing the Seahawks. And I was curious to see what was going to happen. And what I saw was a very balanced offensive attack. You know, they passed the ball. They ran the ball. You know, if you look at the passing, Cooper Cup and Bobby Woods. Congratulations. We have a Bobby Woods sighting. They can have 19 receptions. <laughs> he's, off the, he's off the milk box. He's off the milk carton. 19 receptions, 242 yards between them. And then the running backs, who you may have said one of them needs to retire, but we won't go into that because they may listen to podcasts is why they got motivated against you, Big Ben. But Daryl Henderson Jr. and Sonny Michelle rushed for 118 yards. The Rams did whatever they wanted. And here's the little tidbit that I'll leave you with. The next three games for the Rams are against the banged-up Giants, the Lions, and the Texans. So they could be seven and one going into week nine versus the Titans. Things are looking good for the Rams. How are you feeling in Seattle? And what's the latest on Russ? So I think this is indicative of where the NFL is headed as a whole. If you look at the hiring profiles of coaches, they've been younger. McVay is one of those guys. Easier to get behind him, understands what's going on in the player's mind. Incorporates. I think what you see from McVay going in a half. He's the guy leading them into the into the locker room. He's the guy that says, all right, we got this. And he's had, frankly, he's had Pete, Pete Carroll's number. I will talk about Russ, but what I do want to talk about with the Hawks is I think what was exploited is just that it's the old guard. Like Pete, no offense, Pete, but you're getting the, the old person lesions on your face. Like you can tell he's old. He is old. Like those dad shoes that we thought were cool when he that he wore all the time are actually worn through the soul like that's how old he is you know the gum is literally gone and ken norton jr the defense like they're figured out i mean the rams have a leg up in understanding the offensive coordinator who used to coach for them so i'll give them that but when you have ramsey and donald who probably are two of the top five talents on the defensive side you have yeah. i mean the rams have that right the seahawks are searching for that 
still on the defensive end. Jamal Adams is absolutely horrible. Go watch that film, and he's the reason that two touchdowns were scored. The guy is a one-trick pony, in my opinion, and I'm sorry we gave up two first-round draft picks. So, so Russ, I got a question. Last year he was effective because they put him in the box and they're blitzing. Now it seems like he's got to defend a tight end, Higby, that touchdown, and then Deshaun Jackson, that 60-yard reception. Defenses are just going at him if he's lining up. Well, well that's the thing. It, it used to be a surprise, right? Okay, he's in the box. Is he coming? Is he not? Well, they say if he's in the box, he's coming because he's not going to – he can't guard a tight end out of the backfield. And if he does, look what happened to Higby. I mean, he looks silly on that underthrown ball to Deshaun or Jackson. Absolutely silly. They talk about hips, you know, swivel hips, and that's what you need as a corner to be able to get front back. Maul Adams looks like me out there in terms of drop back and swiveling. It's bad. So I think what you're going to see for the Hawks, and I actually called Brooke because I wanted his opinion. Here's what he said about the Hawks. He goes, listen, we got Gino. We don't have a quarterback that we're, we're looking towards the future with. So this guy's kind of keep – if he can keep the train on the tracks for the most part and win some games that we should win, maybe we'll be in the playoff conversation. Or you look at the other side. We're draft pick deficient right now. Yeah. And look what we did with that group that came out where we hit on each of them. Doug Baldwin, Earl Thomas, Brandon Browner, Dan Chancellor. It's like maybe you you look at this similar to like an MLB trade line deadline. Find guys that are on the last year where, you know, the Browns or whoever needs another asset. Mm-hmm. And you and you clean house, right? Including from the coaching. I would love to see Pete Carroll say bon voyage, honestly. Maybe go coach USC for a few years or something like that. But something needs to change. It's the same story. I literally, if I could capture the texts that come during Hawks games as well as after Hawks games in a in this thread that I'm in, it's the same thing each week. The offense is bland. The defense can't keep up. People scheme against us. And even like our best player, who I believe on defense is Quandre Diggs, will come out and be like, man, they know they know the scheme that we're running and they're just running away from us. Right. And that's what you see with a good team like the Rams. I might buy an extra iPhone so I can be a part of this group text. Okay, please do. If that gets you on the iPhone, <laughs> I support that. I absolutely support that. All right. Um Chargers, Herbert's for real. My gosh. Yeah. Um if do we want to go to that game shape, or do we want to Go to the Niners. You want to do the other uh, Western Standard Six, yeah? I want to get the Niners out because how you're feeling about the Seahawks. Well, let me let me let me ask that same question. Yeah, if you have to assess where what the Niners do over the course of the next six weeks, what do they do? I think based on what we saw this weekend, Jimmy G, when healthy, is the clear number one, and he gives them the best shot to win. So if he's healthy after this bye week, going into the following week, I think you start Jimmy. But there comes a point in time where you might not be able to catch the Cards and the Rams and everyone else in the division. And if that is the case, by week eight, week nine, I want to make a pivot and go with Trey. Because Trey is the future. Trey's only going to get better playing. And if we're out of the race... We might as well get him in there, and we might as well develop him. That's my feeling. I think you give it a couple more weeks. You see what happens. But if we're not turning things around, I think you got to change the guard. Yeah. we When we talked to K-Boogie yesterday, I agree with you. Um, you know, they mucked up the game for the most part, right? Um, 
you look at the time of possession, pretty evenly split. Um, actually, San Francisco had the time or the ball more. They actually had more yards and only one less first down. So it was a pretty just kind of, you know, keep keep the ball possession type of game ugly. I, I think that's what games are going to be like with Trey because he does give you that Lamar Jackson, um, Kyler Murray, who was on the other side where they can run for first downs, Russ for that example. And, you know, you're going to stay out of third and longs for the most part. But, yeah, I agree with you. They're in the same boat as, as Seattle, right? You're not going to change the helm. John Lynch and Shanahan are great. But you got to figure out if you're going to go with Trey. And I don't think with the state of how the Rams and um, the Cardinals are playing, you're going to catch either of those teams with, uh, you know, the most recent loss. So you'll figure it out. Well, coming into this week, like 49er faithful thought it was going to be like 2012. If you look yep. back, like the whole RG3 playing under Shanahan, rookie, catch a the world by fire, 10 and six playoff. But we saw Trey Lance, who's played maybe, what, 15 games in college, sat a whole year out. He looked like a rookie. He overthrew the ball. He threw it too hard. He got to the end zone and got stuffed. That was the biggest play of the game is he tried to lower his shoulder and go at Isaiah instead of, like, reaching out with the ball. And that was the difference because they went for it on fourth down five times. They converted once. But the biggest defensive stop by the Cardinals was that goal line stand. And if they could have scored there, maybe the game would have been different. But Arizona's the better team. And what I was impressed of is Kyler didn't put up big numbers. And the Arizona defense showed up. And they still won. And by a bad game, by Kyler MVP standards yeah buddha baker with the pick the bermuda triangle out there let me give you my take on trey because you're right i think you saw that goal line listen he's not going against south dakota state jackrabbits anymore right he's not beating guys that got uh that got passed up on by d1 schools in fact he got passed up on by minnesota so that you see that reflection of how he's playing he's got to put on some lbs i think is what you saw there what's up austin what's going on austin What's going on, guys? How are we doing? Dude, you are a true multitasker. Can you hear me or not? And I love the, the, the yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I, half. Love, I love the little tree. Oh, good. You go old school with the car freshener. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, you know it, dude. Got to keep the smell organic in here, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. How are we doing tonight? Well, give me, give me well. a glimpse of what we're doing tonight. Talk to me for a second. So dude, we're, we're just. We're, we're live right now. What do we got on the agenda? Yeah. So what we got on the Beautiful. agenda. So let's roll. I know you could you can tell me what we're talking about. Let's do it. All right. So I'm Kyle, aka K Win, based in LA, but grew up in the Bay Area. So I'm a big Niners fan. My counterpart, Big Ben, is in the Pacific Northwest, big Seahawks fan. So we're pining. We're literally crying over our teams right now. Waiting for you to jump on because what we usually do is ask our surprise guests, aka our pro pick and partner, some questions, get to know them, and then we get into week six where we give you 10 games to pick from. And the winner at the end gets to receive a very special prize. So you uh, might have to hang, I'm, hang I'm with us, with Austin. You might have to hang with us because we got to still you know, cover you got, a couple of games. 
no, no, I, I can hang with you. That actually works perfect. I'm coming home in traffic right now. So I might just jump out for like six minutes and then, uh, and then I'll be home and I'll be set up like your guys if that works. Yeah. 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 Jump. We're Talk just catching you. up. Uh, just talking about West coast team. So yeah, jump back on. All right, let's get back into it. To Trey Lance. Buddha, Buddha, Trey. So Trey passed up by Minnesota, went to went to SD, no, yeah, University of North Dakota, right? The Bison. Yeah. And I would love Austin when he comes back on his his take on this because he played in both the Mountain West and the SEC, and I think it's just a different ball game. Like you can go get all the reps. And that's why people like Jerry Rice are lauded because they went and played at Mississippi Valley State, but they translated to the NFL. These small cool school kids, you know, coming in, and, and I think there's just a different tier of competition. And I think Trey, you see it. He's probably never seen a pass rush like he has, you know, ever. You know, like he saw it last week, JJ Watt bearing down on him. Like he, he never saw a player like, like that before in his life, right? Playing at that school, so. I think it's going to be an eye opener, but I think you have to roll with them because you have to understand what you got. You did the same thing we did with Jamal Adams. You gave up draft picks in order to get him. If you don't play him, you don't throw him out there. It's going to be the same conversation next year. Jimmy G or Trey, Jimmy G or Trey. And at one point, you got to move on. You got to move on. And I think Jimmy G is slightly better right now. But if this is Trey's floor, you might as well play him if you're not going to make the playoffs this year because he's hopefully only going to get better and develop. So I'm with you on that. All right. We got about eight minutes until Austin jumps back on. Do you want to just do a couple minutes on each team? Well, let's talk about the best game oh. last week. Browns. Chargers. I got this wrong. I got this wrong. Hats it could have gone, e it, it it gone either way. That's all. I thought the Cleveland defense was that much better, yeah. but I think who, who's the offensive coordinator now for the Chargers? Because I mean, whatever they were running, it's Lombardi. Um, he came from uh, the Saints, so he's trying to do the yeah. whole uh, Camara thing, and then Michael mm -hmm. Thomas is Keenan Allen, I guess. Yeah. Well, Keenan can catch the ball this year. Come on, guy. Um, <laughs> Hey, I owe Mike Williams an apology too. He stepped up. Oh, that's right. Let's start off there. Mike Williams looks more like Mike Thomas, if that translates. I mean, can't guard Mike. He might have to take over that Twitter handle from, from Mike Thomas. He's looked great. Listen, that's the difference there. That's what they've been missing over the years is that one other deep field, um, down the field threat outside of Keenan Allen, who's more your possession slot guy, opens things up. The play action fake uh, uh, works now that Austin Eckler's uh, healthy. And, man, I mean – Putting up that many points, that game was 47-43. Yeah. If you had anyone, I think a guy in my fantasy league played both both Browns running backs at once, and they both popped for like 20. That's insane. I mean, in the Chargers, it, it is all the games they were losing last year are they're winning this year. Yep. We've said it. They should be They should be 5-0. and Like that Cowboys game, they got hosed in. And uh, so Herbert – yeah, and if you're a, if you're a Dolphins fan, man, your your head is in you're you're out on Daytona Beach with your head in the sand, or wherever you are, right? Because you're looking around going, I got Tua on the IR. I'm playing Jacoby Brissett, and I'm watching Justin Herbert, who we passed on, absolutely tear it up. Not only that, we're seeing like you know 
Waddle not progress as we thought we would and just kind of the same story it's always been out in Miami. So oh, thank gosh we don't cover them, but hats off to Mr. Herbert. Um, hey, Bear, as I like to call him. But what, what was your take on what did you see in that game? J-Mo has got to be happy as a clam. Stokes. So my take, I may have said it last week. I don't know. I get all the mi- weeks mixed together. This isn't your mom's Chargers. This isn't your grandma's Chargers. These Chargers win ball games. Like Brendan Staley, he loves to gamble on fourth down. And it's situations where, like, I don't know if you should be going to fourth down. I think it was eight minutes left. It was fourth and eight. And you're like, just kick the field goal. You're still in the game. They go for it. Pass to Keenan Allen over the middle. Eckler goes on to score. They're just rolling the dice. The team has confidence. And they're converting on fourth down. And that is the biggest difference why this is not your mom or grandma's chargers because they don't blow it late in games. They don't have bad offensive formation, penalties, turnovers. They're actually very clutch when it comes to late game situations. And I love the Chargers. And Herbert is just getting better and better and better. I think it was a career high in passing. He had five total touchdowns, four throwing, one running. And he's at 6'5", 6'6". And people don't sleep on his running ability. Like, he's not going to run like uh, Lamar Jackson or a Kyler, but he's going to get you six or seven yards if no one's open and there's a break in the scene. Yeah. I mean, time of possession, they got hammered on, but it was the big place. And then you're right. Here's the difference, too, is red zone conversion. I think we saw a lot last year they'd get down in the red zone, and they didn't have a big play receiver, a tall guy like Mike Williams, right? It was, can I get it to Keenan three times or, or something along those lines, right? And that's that, that wasn't working. And now you're four for four. You're beating teams. Conversely, uh, Cleveland was only three for six when they entered the red zone. So those are the points you're taking away. And that's ultimately why you probably win the game. So hats off to the Chargers. They, who's, been, who's been big that not a lot of people are talking about is tight end Jared Cook. Like, they didn't really use Hunter Henry that much in the past. And before that, it was Gates, and Gates is great. But now the tight ends, he's in the action now. Well, the, he only had one reception, but they also have Darnon Parman Jr., who they believe one. in. He, okay. That's <laughs> a big one, he says. <laughs> you acted like he, he had seven receptions and 180 yards. He had one for 29. I, I meant for this year. I meant for this year he's been big. Either way, the I Browns agree. were keying out on shutting down Jared Cook. But he he was he was an offensive coordinator, right? Hunter Henry got sniped by the Patriots, who offered him a boatload of money. They went and got Jared Cook, who knew the offense that was going to be implemented. That's why you see they're going to bring Donald Parman Jr. along, topley. Their third receiver, Guyton, looks okay, but too deep. They're good. Mike Williams had 16 targets. That goes a long way with eight receptions. That's huge. I mean, last year, I think he would have thrown the ball four times and got lucky because, you know, he's probably improved on his route running. And the new offensive coordinator, Lombardi, sees a lot of what he saw in Mike Thomas and Mike Williams, oddly enough. Can't argue that. And Baker Mayfield is Baker Mayfield. He actually he, he threw the ball well. It was just he did. Ball. And then let's let's that Raiders games. I mean, I, I took some notes here just because the Raiders could become. I, I mean, I, I, 
Khalil Mack and then Khalil Herbert, oddly enough. Two Khalils. Yeah. Beat them. Justin Fields had a worse QBR than Derek Carr. That's how bad this game was, and they still won. Like, it's it ugly. Their offensive line is so porous and so bad. And I think what we're seeing – so look at compare and contrast the Chargers. What they do, they win and invest in the offensive line. Subsequently, you get more time to throw. Subsequently, your receiver who needs some time to get open and down the field sells this year. Look at the Raiders. Their offensive line is atrocious. Yeah. Carr got sacked another three times last week. He's on pace for over 50. That is absolutely horrendous. You go get Alex Leatherwood in the first round. He's been horrible. Celine Farrell, you've missed on all these draft picks. Oh, it might be a blessing for Mr. Davis. He might have actually reached out to the NFL and said, hey, what can you find on Mr. Gruden? Because this ain't working. Because I think you're going to see, like, Josh Jacobs has no room to run. I think he's averaging this past this past weekend, I think he averaged three yards a carry, maybe. So if you ran him, you'd have to run him four times. And unfortunately, there's only three downs before you have to punt, really, right? <laughs> so, I mean, everything's upside down for the Raiders right now. The team that was, you know, 3-0 and is now floundering. Um, yeah. I wasn't buying the Raiders hype early in the season. I know they did have a great win against Baltimore, but they should have lost that game. I mean, Lamar Jackson fumbled a couple times. And then the Pittsburgh game, mm, I don't know. I think they are who we thought they are. They're a 500 team. They're going to flirt with our emotions every year. Do they make the playoffs? No, because they're a 500 team. And I think it's consistent this year. They're going to be 500 or worse. Uh, looking at the total yards in that game, I think it's less than total yards the Chargers had by themselves against the Browns. That's how bad that game was. I don't, I don't know if I'll tune into another Raiders game this year. I don't think so. It's what if it's bad. at Allegiant Stadium and we have bottle service and you are the resident DJ for the game? <laughs> if I'm the resident DJ, I'm playing Disney hits. So you don't want me to be the resident <laughs> DJ anymore. Um, no, I, I, I don't see myself following the Raiders all that much this year. So it's, you know, this is why we cover six teams. I think the Chargers are exciting. I think the Rams are who we are a, a solid team. The Cardinals, you know, are going to be in the playoff conversation as well. I don't see them floundering like they have in the past. And then you got three teams, you know, that between the Raiders, Niners, and the Hawks that are going to have to figure it out really quick, whether they're going to try to make a run at a playoff spot or dump and figure it out in the offseason, which I think between those three teams, the Raiders and the Hawks should do. I think the Niners should let Trey play out and see how he does and figure that out as well. I'm all on board with that. I'm, I'm going to do a hat talk- switch. Okay. I got to get – I'm just going to go back to uh, – No Grizz? Best team in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, yeah, actually, maybe I keep it on. I'm going to ask him if the Grizz, if the Grizz can beat UW because the Grizz beat Vandy. How about that? Um, so what's what do we have looking forward? What do we got coming up? Let's talk lines. You, you've gone betting. Um, who do we got coming up this week? We'll, we'll get in the games with Austin, but let's at least highlight Western Standard 6. Can we please get you to admit you stink at fantasy this year? You are You are bad. You have the, we have the lowest scoring team in the league. We haven't won a game. 
We are the champions. I have two strikes. You're, <laughs> Am I you're, the, fired? You're, you're, the, you're the Urban Meyer right now of, of I am. our fantasy league. So. And I haven't even got a lap dance yet. <laughs> There they are. What's going on, guys? I'm all set up now. Love it. Can you hear me or not? Yeah, I always like to look at other people's backgrounds, like behind them. You got a true <laughs> setup. That is solid. I appreciate it, dude. I appreciate it. Yeah, if you want the breakdown, I'll give it to you. Anytime. Yeah. Burn, have you ever been on with Burnsy? Guy's a yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. animal. He's, it looks... He's the man, dude. He's got the setup going. That's fucking everything. All right, we got 24 minutes. Let's bang through some picks. Let's yeah. go. Well, right. don't you want to start with a QB question? So, Big Ben, I want to say offensive and defensive line extraordinaire for Washington State. I'm sure you've heard about him. Easy. He hasn't played in a while, but he's thinking about getting back in there and putting his name in the hat as a backup QB in the NFL. And I think he's got some questions for you. Um, first off, First off, I got to ask, I don't know if you saw the picture of Russell Wilson getting willed out of the surgery room, but it looked like he, he like made it look like he was going through uh, like triple bypass when in actuality it was like the tendon on his finger, you know, yeah. like, yeah. can you, can you tell me how much that plays into actually throwing the ball? Like, is that no go? Absolutely. Could he have played? theoretically played through it. I, I'm not familiar with Yeah, which like, which finger is it? I think it's his middle. His middle. It's his middle finger. finger. Yeah, I mean can you play through it? You can play through it. The thing with Russ is Russ has such incredible perspective and he's so smart to almost his own fault that like he knows like the type of risk that he's putting himself under by, you know, being out there with anything wrong with that finger. Um, so could he have played through it? Yeah, he could have physically played through it, but at the same time, like he's way too logical to put himself in that position. And then he also, like, he's got a little bit of a flair for the dramatic as well, you know? So like, <laughs> I, I think that's a little bit of your, your, your hospital picture there. Yeah. And then, uh, the other thing, so Jake Luton is yep. the third string. I don't know if you followed his career at Oregon state. I think he's actually out of Bothell, Washington. Um, what are your thoughts on, uh, I guess, Geno Smith, West Virginia's finest, and then just give me kind of what, what I, what we should expect as Hawks fans, maybe from him and how he might pan out here in the next few weeks. Yeah, man, I, I, I think, you know, in Seattle, right, they're, they're stuck right now in, in the change and evolution of football, where like the reality is that the Pete Carroll model of playing great defense and then, you know, winning the game over the course of the game offensively, like you just get out score in the modern day NFL. So he's in this crisis, you know, where it's like, do I abandon my philosophy, which is, you know, playing defensive football and running the ball and kind of slowing the game down and limiting possessions and winning it in the fourth quarter? Um, or do I let Russ lose? and let him play. And so anyway, I think with Russell Wilson, if this makes sense, Russ almost puts Pete in a very difficult position just organically because mm -hmm. he's an MVP candidate. He can definitely drop back 45 times a game, be electric and make things happen. Um, and so that's kind of what the public all wants to see him do. 
whereas Pete wants to do something different. And so I say I segue into Gino with the public doesn't expect shit from Gino Smith. So <laughs> like, Pete, Pete, Pete Carroll can now really play to the cultural identity of exactly what he likes to do the way he wants to do it. So I wouldn't expect the brand of football to be any more exciting, but it's almost like there'll be more uniformity and a little bit more together in terms of their philosophy on both sides of the ball going into the game because there isn't that whole dynamic with him and Russ that's even there, you know? Yeah, we got a quick reminder of like why Gino was the backup in that last throw, I think, what we saw right. where uh, – Tyler so fell down. We're like, all right, Gino, we're going to come back. Go, Gino. And then all of a sudden, like, okay, wait. Um, but now we know why he's a, a backup. Is it, and it was like first he might have right? fallen down. Yeah, exactly. It was a little too, <laughs> too egregious on that. All right. That's wow. my, I appreciate the take on the Hawks. I'm sure Kwen has something on the Niners. I got a Niners take. I want to paint yeah. a situation for you, Austin. Yeah. So we're fast forwarding to week nine. Yep. The Niners are three and five. Okay. Are you starting or sitting Trey Lance moving forward if that's the situation? And we're assuming I, the Rams and Cardinals haven't lost since. Yeah, it's it's crazy, guys. I, I watched every snap of that game. And, and as a quarterback guy through and through, and I'd love for you to try to hit me with questions. That's what I enjoy about this stuff and these conversations. But I'd start Trey Lance from here out. And the reason I would start Trey Lance from here out is he still has a lot of flaws mechanically and throwing the ball. And there are some things that he definitely has to continue to work on. But, um, you know, I can use this language on the air, I hope, as like there's no bitch in him. And the way he played was very confidently. And as he made decisions, he made them and he committed to them. I think that's been the issue with Jimmy. Jimmy is definitely a better thrower of the football right now than Trey Lance is. But it's that that decision-making and having just blind faith in your decisions and confidence out on the field that that charisma just, it, it obviously bleeds over into your unit. And I think that they'll be better off playing Trey Lance and just experiencing the hiccups of those some of those throwing things that truthfully he won't fix until after the season he won't become elite in that area until after the season but he's he's a much better thrower of the football than Jalen Hurts right now and like Jalen Hurts is winning games you know so um I just like the way that Shanahan called the game with him at quarterback I just felt like even from the first snap of the game that Shanahan was being more aggressive like that he was allowing him to be more aggressive and that's been the biggest thing with jimmy is like i think jimmy truthfully is one of the best throwers of the football in the nfl but there's a lot of other stuff that as you watch him there's either shanahan doesn't trust him or he's not sharp with his decision making not confident with his decision making not as quick with his decision making maybe he's got some leadership stuff where he's just kind of the the odd guy whereas trey is like the boy's boy in that locker room. I don't know. Just the feel is off, like, with Jimmy. And I think evidence by, like, throwing the ball, you know, 14 times or whatever in the playoff run up until the Super Bowl, it was like, I didn't even throw the ball 20 times a game. And I remember <laughs> I, was at the, I was at the Vikings game um, in the playoffs, and I think the Niners were up, like, 21-7, to 7, and they were getting the ball back um, 
in the second half to start the half. There was three minutes left. So it's that classic situation where you just protect the football, you know, and you, you run the ball. You may throw a couple out routes and see if you complete them to know whether we want to attack and be aggressive. But with the with a 14-point lead, like, we're going to ride this thing out and take the ball in the second half. And um, yeah. they called a very simple concept, but they had the tight end breaking over the middle of the field. And Jimmy threw what looked like a high school interception. Like he threw it straight <laughs> to the middle line. And it was like, it was at that point where just because of my football background and acumen and the things that I've been through, and the, really the coaches that I've been around, like James Franklin from Penn State and Chris Peterson from Washington, like these guys, um, that's a no-go. I mean, that's day one <laughs> shit. And like you're in a system with, you know, I think what's hilarious is this McVeigh, LaFleur, Shanahan dynamic between the three of them. And it's like, you make a decision like that with Shanahan, like you almost lose permanent trust with stuff like that. And so that's what I think just Trey Lance, I think in the long run is definitely going to be what they want to do. Um, but for me, it's even in the short term because you will not win a Super Bowl or get close if you're playing kind of on talking out both sides, you're, you're doing two different things. You, you're not fully congruent and aligned with the direction you're going. I think Trey, even with limitations in some of his throwing ability, um, they will benefit from kind of pinning their ears back and just going in one direction. Hey, Austin, um, Kyle and I were talking and you played at kind of different levels within the NCAA, right? I think everyone yeah. would say the SEC is the peak. You played in the Mountain West. You've, you've seen Pac-12, right? I think the thing we've seen with Trey and Kyle brought it up, right? He played 15 games in college, yeah. right? At a level in which, let's be honest, we I made the comment that fourth and one or the goal line, that wasn't, you know, a South Dakota State jackrabbit that was he was trying to get over the goal line, right? Like, no talk to us about just just the difference in because you play the Mountain West and then the SEC. Yeah. So just the difference yeah. there and what the SEC does in comparison to prepare you for something like the NFL, where Trey might have that, I guess, gap in understanding or just overall speed of the game, right? Totally. Yeah, no, no, no. That definitely exists. It's real. Uh, so like my freshman year at the University of Wyoming, um, I came in and we were in a five wide. It was the Chase Daniel Missouri system with Jeremy Macklin and all those guys when they were number one and two and three in the country that year um their offensive coordinator left and he was head coach in wyoming i went to go play for him i started as a true freshman and that offense basically was drop back we're going to have five receivers out there our progressions are going to be very loosely detail oriented like austin go make plays control the outside linebackers with flat pulls and you know just make things happen use spacing and i had no clue what the protection scheme was none of it so Anyway, that year and how I relate this into this is uh, is I ran I, I had a really good year, but I, I ran for about 572 yards from scrimmage as a true freshman. I went to the SEC my senior year. We we're number 18 in the country. I ran for negative 179. Yards. <laughs> <laughs> so when you when you talk about the levels, it's just you can't get away with anything. So. You know, mm -hmm. in that in the Mount West Conference, as I was playing teams, it's like first read wasn't there. I didn't know where to go with my second read. OK, here's a defensive end. I feel him spin out and then make a play in scramble drill. It's like that's done. There is no opportunity to do that stuff. Now, Trey's 
a more gifted athlete than I am. But like when you have Jadavion Clowney, you know, coming at you off the edge of South Carolina, it's like there's just no time or room to do anything other than basically what's on schedule. So when you haven't had that luxury and then you have to learn that, like that was the process for me. It was it was a year and a half process of, yes, transitioning into a multiple pro style system, which was far more difficult to operate organically. And it's a lot like the NFL stuff that we see right now. Um, But also it was just understanding like there aren't plays to be made outside of the one that is designed. So like, right. you know, yeah, when a play breaks down and a guy falls down and you're able because they break contained to get out there, make a play. But Trey Lance is not just going to be making plays like that's not going to happen. And um, I think that's part of the appeal of coming from North Dakota State, though, is like they operate that way, too. So even though it's mm-hmm. a lesser level of competition, like they are a schedule oriented offense. So, you know, I think the big thing is just. What is the coach going to do for you while that gap exists? Because that gap is going to narrow. So just what is Shanahan's plan for him? Um, Because you limit, you limit his decisions. You know, you design, you use more shifts, you use more motions, you use more of those things. You use his legs, you use those things to kind of control the external circumstances so that he can operate with a quick one Two, even if that's a corner mm-hmm. to a back to a backside drag from a tight end as your flat pull, it's like he's done that enough. And up in the NFL, that's not very difficult. Come off Correct. of action, read the corner down to the flat. It's it would be you know asinine to give him what, even though they limit what they give Jimmy, it would be asinine to to, <laughs> give, to, to give him Jimmy's same call sheet and say, hey, go. Because that's when you would see like that look from Trey Lance and he would, you know, he would freeze a little bit. And the, I thought in the game against the Cardinals, again, like the stuffed on the one, there were other things that happened throughout that game. But I just thought that Trey played fast. I thought that they let him yeah. play fast and I thought he did play fast. I think, um, you know, and Shanahan's so brilliant, like they'll control a lot of that for him. So it's a, a long way of saying like, there's a definite speed gap there. It's definitely a different game, but I mean, this is one of the top offensive minds in the world. Like he, he knows that he's going to control those external conditions to where he's allowed to make plays, um, that are happening faster, but are just as simple in terms of his, his reads and things like that. We got 10 minutes. Okay, when let's get in the picks. All right, we're getting the picks here. So uh, we bring a pro pick'em partner on like yourself, Austin. We talk a little football based on your expertise. Then we get into the fun. And what I mean by the fun, we've got 10 games we want you to pick from. Straight money line. No spread, straight money line. You just pick winners. You add some maybe comments on why you think you're going to win. We're going to track it. Okay. And the winner at the end of the year wins a very special prize. So out of the 10 games... Kyle let's let's set the bar low on the prize. Let's just not very, just decent prize. It's gonna be <laughs> I don't know. It might be a grave. It might be a Jimmy G signed football. So I don't know. That's all <laughs> I have with the holder and how special. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the winner's at eight. So you gotta you gotta beat eight. At so eight. We're gonna go okay. down the picks here. So all right, I got my awesome. list here. All right, Thursday night football. We got Tampa in Philly. 
Yeah, no chance that the no chance the Eagles win. You're not high on Jalen, huh? Uh, it's not that I'm not high on Jalen. I'm I'm not really high on how that organization, like their identity, how it's working together right now. I think they're kind of in conflict. Like they don't want Jalen to be the quarterback, but they want to win games. So it's like it's yeah. just that in between, and you're not going to beat Tom Brady in that cast with, with that going on. Could be a close game, but uh, the Bucks will definitely win that game. Oh, the early morning game, K1. This is a enthralling, another enthralling London game. Oh my God! Is this the Dolphins Jags? Here's why. If this, if this is the Dolphins Jags, and I only get to, and I can pick ten, I'm not picking this one. I'll tell you that. But this you is a it. 2019 BCS Championship rematch: Clemson versus Bama. When touchdown Trevor was a freshman, he beat Tua. This is the rematch. Oh. We got to go to London. Dolphins Jags. Yeah, I think I think until the Jags win a game, you got to continue to ride with the Dolphins. The Dolphins have a great coach. They have some, you know, identity within what they do. You know, they're a defensive football team and a special teams football team. So I think that just having a semblance of an identity is going to be better than, you know, whatever's going on in Urban Circus right now. You know, <laughs> the Grand Old Circus. All right, moving back, we've got Green Bay at Chicago. Yeah, I think this will be a really, really tight game. Um, you know, I, if Justin Fields were healthy in a couple more weeks along, I actually, I, I think the Bears could win that game, but I have no faith in that Bears coaching staff. I think the Packers will win by three, something like that. It'll be an ugly game. They'll double-team Devontae Adams. It'll just be a defensive deal, and then Aaron will go on the drive at the end of the game to win. You agree, Big Ben? Do you want to comment for me? I think I think the Bears are garbage too. Like it's yeah, not garbage. Sorry, sorry, Nagy. It is. It's it's like a proverbial. It's a tough watch. That, <laughs> it's a very tough. I would hate to be a Bears fan. Like it's they they need to bulldoze that stadium, get a new identity. Because like Soldier Field as it is, like I feel like Mike Ditka still lives there, and it's like we should run the ball, you know, forty-seven times a game. And the only way we're going to pass is if Jim McMahon becomes the quarterback. Okay. I feel like that's what's going on with the Bears. Tough. I digress. All right. Cincinnati, Detroit. What the hell happened? I had Detroit <laughs> winning. A, a, I had, who did I have? The Steelers, the Lions, and then the G-Men. But I thought for sure the Lions had won that game after that two-point conversion. I walked out the door, and the Vikings won. It's every week the Lions are in it. They're coming back, and they're like the new Chargers. And then they just blow it yeah. in the final minutes. It's very quarterback related. Yeah, that's the that's the story of Jared Goff. Is <laughs> all these guys want to go? Jared's actually a really good player. Like you don't you don't get it. And I go, is he down by twenty one or is it zero zero? because he's a completely yeah. different quarterback, depending on what the score of the game is. And Joe Burrow is pretty much the exact opposite. So you, I got to ride with my boy. And I feel shitty right now, guys, because I'm trying not to be, like, super conservative. I usually go with, like, upsets and stuff. But these right now, like, they're uh, giving it, like, one side poor and the other side, uh, I don't know. I guess that one could be close, right? What do you guys think? 
Uh, I'm, I agree. Like with you too. said, golf is the QB, and even though we love the West Coast and golf's from Marin County and Cal, I just don't see the Lions winning in an offense where he's handing the ball off and he only throws to the tight end. And Burrow's going to find his boy Chase. He's going to put up some numbers, and I don't think the Lions are going to be able to come back. I think it's going to be the Bengals by a couple. I I agree. Dan Campbell's going to bite his own kneecaps off at this point. Um, What do you think of Mike Glennon as a quarterback? (laughs) I don't even know what team he plays for right now. He's perfect segue for the Giants because the Rams are playing in New York against the Giants and Daniel Jones concussion protocol. We don't know if he's going to play. So Mike, Lynn he's not playing this maybe week. Going up. No, that that that'll that'll be a bloodbath. Uh, that that defensive line with with that quarterback. Um, nothing against Glennon. I mean, he's a great dude, but. He's a statue, and and you're going to need to be able to functionally navigate the pocket against that Rams defensive line. And the Giants just don't have enough of what they do established yet. To what what, what do you guys think the Giants' identity is? Like what what are they well, offensive? Uh, what, right what? now, it's it's the IR list with Barkley and Galladay. <laughs> it's they can't get any players Some, healthy. The Giants haven't figured it out like since. They got, I don't know. I used to live out east, and like it's just the fans like being fans, right? No one wants to be a Jets fan, so you're a Giants fan, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the way it is out there. So they got wow. fans, and and I think um, Galladay was a horrible pickup for someone like Daniel Jones, who can't really stretch the field, right? I mean, right. It, 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 I think it's just a poor blend, and then that head coach, I mean, he looks like uh. Matt Patricia without a beard. Like, he just doesn't look <laughs> like a head coach, right? Like, he, he just doesn't look like he's been on a treadmill in the last three years. And that's someone oh I can't God. really take seriously in my opinion. <laughs> All right, we got Rams. We got Chargers against the Ravens. Chargers against the Ravens. In Baltimore. We finally gave you a tough one. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that. Um, <laughs> Think, oh, I, I I gotta ride the Chargers. I just gotta ride the Chargers. I love the head coach. I love their messaging. I love what they're doing right now. Love the way they play. You know, him preparing his team all week for practice against the Chiefs, saying like all we're looking for is positive plays on third down and gaining yards on third down. Because guys, you don't beat the Chiefs without going for it on fourth down. And like just to have that type of aggressiveness. But then also to com- communicate as you know directly as he does with his guys, he's he's special. Like I really like him a lot, and uh, and I just think in this game, if the Ravens were healthy, I would take the Ravens. But I feel like people are falling asleep on that. Like the Ravens are the Ravens are not going to win the Super Bowl. Like they don't have no. a couple of their key no. cogs. So like, and even the way they've won, like they squeaked that thing out in Kansas City, which was a miracle, like how they won that game. Then it's really a miracle how they won the Colts game when you look at just what had to happen in order for them to win that game. Um, I kind of think they're doing what John Harbaugh does, like just opportunistic, well-coached, good culture. They obviously have talent, but just squeaking games out, I think you're going to have to beat the Chargers. 
And so I, 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 I like the Chargers, even in Baltimore. The, the trio of Latavius Murray, Devontae Freeman, Le'Veon Bell don't scare you. I mean, it all scares me, but you're gonna have to you're gonna have to throw the ball at some point. Four I'm, years I'm, ago, maybe. <laughs> I'm I'm riding with him. What do you guys think of that one though? I got the Chargers as well. I mean, Herbert Herbert continues to get better and better and better and we were talking earlier about Lombardi coming on and breaking, bringing the Saints system. So you got Eckler yeah. trying to mimic Kamara, and then they're throwing down the field, and then they're checking down to their tight end. And oh, by the way, Herbert can sneak here for six yards or seven yards there. Sure. Their offense is putting up points. It doesn't seem like anyone can stop them. So I like the Chargers too. I think it's a trap game. It's going to be ugly, like flying across country. Um, I don't know. It's a toss-up. I'd love to take the Chargers, but somehow I think the Ravens, Harbaugh's a good enough coach where he'll muck up the game, do something to scheme against Herbert and take, you know, the big play out of it, which has been the Mike Williams calling card this year. That's, so. a, that's the first one I'd be curious. What, do you guys know what the Vegas line on that game is? It's minus three, so it's pick them. So they're, it's a Ravens okay. minus three. So oh, I got you. Yeah. Okay. So it's a pick them. AZ Cleveland. This is yeah. – This is Washington State University versus Texas Tech, both being coached by Mike Leach. No, 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 no. It's the Boomer Sooner Bowl. We got Kyler versus Baker. And in 2019, the Cards beat the Browns. Now, Baker's trying to look to return the favor. I think this is the best game of the weekend, by the way. Me too. Me too, for sure. I've actually spent some time thinking about this game because I, I I absolutely love Kyler Murray. I mean, I think he's he's a front runner for the MVP, and I think that people have kind of not disrespected, but not like acknowledged how incredible this guy is at every stage of his career. Like he's the best high school quarterback I've ever seen. Like I've watched them all, and to me, he's the best I've ever seen. Bryce Young is close, but like I think Kyler Murray's the best. Um, you look at college and just what he did, and then now what he's doing in the NFL, he didn't have a supporting cast like that or an identity organizationally until really this year. So it's like now you actually have some guys in the locker room who have that presence that you know you're an NFL football team and you expect to win on the road and you expect to do these things. Now, all that said, I like the Browns, and the reason that I like the Browns. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I had to, I had to love make it. that clear because I, I love do not it. like I do not like the Browns because of Baker Mayfield. I don't like the Browns for you know I, why I like the Browns is because I think a no one's going to go undefeated. B you're going on the road. You're five and zero, oh, and things are all clicking right now. And now you go into Cleveland, which is going to be a ruckus environment. It's going to be a different environment. It's a hell of a long way from Arizona, and mm-hmm. that defensive line is nasty. And I just think. That's the one D line that can physically at the point of attack like enforce their will and also has ends can't run with Kyler, but can kind of corral Kyler. And I think that um, it's going to happen at some point. Right. So I think just styles make fights. And I think that this style right now is one that would benefit the Browns early in the season. So I just looked up. Kyler Murray's 40 time. He didn't run, but they believed he'd be like a 4-4 guy, maybe. Yeah. Miles Garrett was a 4-4-8, so I agree with you. (laughs) I think he's like the one guy in the NFL that could actually catch Kyler. 
Like, that's, I like the Browns pick. I think it's a, to your point, kind of a trap game for uh, the Browns are coming off a tough loss. Give uh, Kareem and, and uh, Mr. Chubb the ball and see if the Cardinals can stay off the field or keep Kyler off the field. Right. We got the Raiders against the Broncos oh. in Denver. Uh, I, I think you, I think you owe Denver, uh, and I just all the defense, literally just all defense. Uh, I think, I think the defense will score, or just in terms of field, <laughs> <laughs> or just just in terms of the field position where they'll kick, you know, seven field goals with McManus. But like, um, I just think the Raiders coming off this week, and John is, you know, John's a major part of that locker room on and and like mm-hmm. within that i just mean like they've played very aggressive which i think has been really beneficial for Derek carr like i don't think Derek carr does very well when you kind of manage the game for him and then he has to make that play on third and eight like even though yeah. there's some data through this season that would like say that that's not accurate i he's just not that type of quarterback to me he's he's somebody who you need to inject that into him and his play style you need to put him into situations where you can do that i think on the road in denver without john they'll be conservative i don't think Derek carr will thrive in a conservative style of offense in mile high against those guys yeah i just i don't see that so denver and probably the ugliest game of the weekend three to zero or something Three to zero. <laughs> <laughs> I would have gone five nothing. Give him a. <laughs> That'd be even nastier, no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> All right, we got we got uh, two more. So Seattle okay, at Pittsburgh. So this is the old where we got hosed in the Super Bowl, and uh, Jerome Bettis. I don't know what he did to fix the game, but Seattle goes to Pittsburgh for the first time in a while. Geno Smith. Where do you where do you see this game playing out, or how do you see it playing out? I think I think it's a very low scoring but dominant ball game by the Steelers. Just that's yeah, not the D, that's not the D line that you want to break Geno Smith in on against. And I think Big Ben like Big Ben always and like the reason he pisses me off so much is because it's it's always when everyone turns the heat up on him that he plays really really well, and yeah. then. But when people are just kind of in between or just like, yeah, Ben's a good quarterback, then he'll, you know, not watch tape for the week. I mean, he's literally <laughs> literally quoted as saying, like, I don't like watching tape. I like reacting to what's going on in the field. And it's like, that's great in theory, except that your record against Brady is probably like one in 18. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I think that that one's ugly. Um, yeah, I don't I'm, I don't know. That one I, might be tough. That one might be tough to watch. I, I think TJ Watt. I should look up TJ's forty versus Geno Smith because that might be <laughs> the same thing. You might see Jake Luton in that game because that yeah. defense is nasty. Bud Dupree is great. I mean, they're probably going to get the ball to Najee Harris, and he's going to pull off what Derrick Henry did and just wear that defense down and put up probably three hundred yards. I mean, I'm curious, to be honest, I'm like with... the, the Bama defense that he practiced against last year is probably better than Seahawks. <laughs> Honestly, so. I, Go ahead. You said I, you were I'm, curious I'm, from what? Yeah, I'm, curi- I'm curious from you, Seattle guy, like uh, just somebody who cracks that team. 
what is the deal with the defense? Like, cause you have Jamal Adams and you have like, I don't know, then Wagner, like you guys should. Look, look how upset he is. Look how upset no, he is. No, no, because Kyle and I talked about this. So it's like, it, it starts with Pete Carroll, right? You're right. Yeah. He's lost. He's lost it, right? right. Um, I think he's lost the locker room a little bit. He's tried to let like uh, Russ control it, but he still wants some oversight. The same thing goes like with Ken Norton Jr., man. Like he's an old school guy, right? Um, Bobby Wags is getting up there in age. We lost KJ Wright. So there's just no identity, right? There's We're rebuilding. Jordan Brooks is a decent piece. But Jamal Adams, go back and watch that film. Like he gave up uh, Tyler Higby, who isn't the most athletic yeah. dude, made him look silly. Rashawn right. Jackson, who can barely, he's a 4 eight forty at this point in his career. Right. like made him turn around twice it's just we gave up too much and then the like offensive figured it out that if you put him in the box he's coming there's no way he's right. going to drop in coverage because he can't cover anyone so right. that's i mean how are you going to scheme for that's pretty easy right yeah um so jamal, yeah, jamal with the supporting cast around him that allows him to do what he does is great but like yeah. when you have to when he has to be very versatile in terms of what's put no. on him he's, he's yeah. No, you can't, right? And that's, I mean, look back at the defense of Legion of Boom, right? It was yeah. that defense, you had a ball hawk in Earl Thomas, and then you had a guy where if you were a tight end, if you were George Kittle, like you didn't want to go across the middle. If you were running a seam pass beyond, you better hope Cam Chancellor's not back there. So there's just no identity. There's no fear in the defense. And uh, you saw what happened in week one. It's going to happen this week, I'll call it. Najee Harris is going to run for absorbent amount of yards because Derek that's all the Titans did they said we'll just give it to Derek Henry and he's going to wear him down eventually and that's what he did yeah. tear it you down Austin is what I'm saying tear it down to the studs get rid of Pete retire those grandpa shoes Ken Norton go with them go retire down at USC and listen I at this point I the coach if you want to come in like it's it's that bad we just don't have an identity we're in where you were talking about with like Russ and kind of this power trip. Right. Let let Russ say, Russ, go hire the next coach, stick with us for five years. Do you? And then, you know, at that point, right off on a horse to Tampa Bay like Tom did. I don't care. So so because so because of who Russ is, you're still you're still all in with him because of how good he like I mean Yeah. I mean considering the alternatives in the NFL, right? Like right. Right. Gone are right. the days I think of like Brad Johnson and Trent Dilfer winning you Super Bowls. Like your defense, right. the offensive court, like the offense you can build around, and the athletes now you have on the offensive side are just too unique. Um, so you got to ride with Russ, unless you. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to. Am I wrong? That's well said. No. Do you, do you well want said. him to get rid of Russ? Yeah. No, I don't. No, I don't. I just um, a. I do have a. I, I do have a strong issue with all the max contract stuff. I, I really yeah. do. Uh, I just think that, you know, for a guy like that, married to Sierra, all the money that that guy makes outside of the NFL, like you just look at it and like James Franklin, obviously, and I are very close. And like he told me, and I don't think it's private information, but whatever, let's, let's do it. Is uh, that Saqu Sa Saquon Barkley hasn't, Saquon Barkley has still not spent a dollar of anything he's made in the NFL other than his signing bonus. So he's just lived entirely off of his signing bonus. Everything else has gone away. 
um, and why, because basically Franklin and like the staff that they have, they've worked with him really well. And obviously his agent and stuff to, he lives off of all of his endorsements. Like that's, that's how he lives. And he lives a, he lives a plenty lavish life. You know um, I think at quarterback, like it is such a selfless position and when you're doing it the best, it's such a selfless position that, um, that needs that talent around them. That with Russ, what's bothered me recently is that like there's Russell, who we know, the man, the neutrality, you know, the always knowing what is going on Mm -hmm. and has this incredible perspective and all of that. And yet, like you're taking Max and putting Pete Carroll out there to the public and doing some of these Mm -hmm. things that it's been incongruent, like over the last 12 months and that that a pisses me off because I just, I I don't like quarterbacks doing that shit. And B, I think it's kind of selfish, especially when your wife is like, you know, 500 worth $500 million as well. Um, And so I don't like that stuff. That said, to your point, like you can't get rid of him. He's, he's one of the the best five quarterbacks in the league. Compare and contrast between him and Tom Brady. They're in a very similar situation. Tom Brady's wife makes gourds of money, probably more than him. And you're exactly right. Russ sits there and will throw his offensive line under the bus. But yet he's taken Max and, you know, probably got a Gucci wheelchair on the way out of the doctor's office. You're right. You can't speak out of both sides of your mouth. And I don't think Russ understands. Let's be honest. Seattle's not a, a tier one market, right? He wants yeah. to be the guy, right? And we don't live or die by our sports. If we lose, we'll go hiking, fishing, skiing, whatever, right? right. And I think he wants to be the focal point. He's just not of the order of, you know, the city as a whole, fortunately. But all right. Last one, Buffalo, Tennessee. Monday night. Monday night, Buffalo, Tennessee. Yeah, I think it's going to be a hell of a game. Like, if people think that Buffalo is just going to pull away, because this one's different, right? The the Bills played cover two on, like, half half the snaps against Kansas City. It was a rain game. They rotated their nine defensive linemen. It's like, I don't care who you rotate when you have to tackle that bell cow, you know? Like, he's he's going to – He's going to keep Josh Allen off the field a little bit too, just in terms of the nature of the way that they play. And also it's just that ironic thing in the NFL where when you have a team that has underperformed and then a team that's overperforming, and then now they're in a spotlight game where everybody's watching. And again, styles make fights. Like I think Tennessee's style is more conducive to beating the Bills than, you know, trying to finesse that football team and be in a shootout. Josh Allen will be sitting on the on the bench for four and five minutes mm-hmm. at a time. I just I so I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Titans, dude. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on one and take the Titans there. Cause I I just think that that's like the ebb and flow of the NFL. And I think that this is one of those weeks where that could happen. Yeah, and Tennessee was like in week one, they were, you know, Oh, we have these great wide receivers. We're going to throw the ball. They're like, your identity is King Henry. Like, run the ball. And Julio's been out, and they've been running the ball, and I think they're just going to run and run and run the ball. And Josh isn't going to be on the field that much. So I like that pick. I like Tennessee as well. Yeah, I get the feeling like Rabel looked at the schedule. He said, we got the Jags before the Bills. Like, yo, everyone take it easy. 
Like we, <laughs> we, we just to relax here. AJ, go run some routes. We'll maybe throw you some passes. So, you know, whatever. But, um, and I think Josh Allen has a little of this mantra of like, I can, I can win the game in one pass, you know, like he'll get anxious on the sideline. Like I'm in, all right, let's go. And, um, right. you know, from what we've seen, he really doesn't have a receiver on that team that reflects like, you know, big play written all over him. Right. Stefan Diggs is he'll get you 20, 30 on a big play, but they don't have the stretch of field guy. Um, I think Buffalo Steve is good, but do they have the depth? They got a lot of good red bed rushers, but they, I don't know if they have the depth overall to keep up with the Titans. So I like that pick as well in Nashville, by the way. Boom. Full circle. Yeah. Full circle. Oh, guys, I'm having a hard time saying it right now. Tell you what. What? They're playing some bad football. Vandy. Vandy, dude. Nashville's That's like, listen, isn't that like a Stanford grad being like, man, we suck at football. But um, at least I, you know, like. Stanford's had some good years. It definitely is. Guys, like, that's the one thing about me, though, that was so lucky is so I transfer in there. And I got James Franklin's three years. That's it. The three years. Nine, I was nine and four, right? Three, nine and four, nine and three, and eight and like six, seven and six. And um, it's the three most winning years in program history. Like I, it's just, <laughs> we, we had success the whole time. And, and then, and then he left. And so it was like, my experience there is obviously so much different than what they historically are. And just to to know how we competed because we were ranked for three seasons in a row. So like, just to know how we played, and then to watch them now just getting curb stomped by every team they play every week, whether you're in the SEC or not, it's just it's it's demoralizing. So while I'll never say that you know it's a football school or anything like that, at the same time it's like guys, like we really that embarrassing. You're in, in Nashville in the SEC, and you have a top fifteen, top twenty education in the United States like you can't do something to inject some players in there tough man it's real tough um I I could say I feel bad for you but I went to a state school here in Wazoo so um I, I mean I would take that Vandy, <laughs> Vandy degree any day awesome <laughs> I gotta get I gotta get to a newborn. Let's bring you back on though, and hopefully you go ten for ten. Hold oh, on, we got way. one more. We got one one more. We got twelve oh, we got... points Monday night in case there's a tiebreaker. Total points Monday night. Buffalo. Total Tennessee. points in Monday night's game. Um, Thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. Ooh, ooh, I like it. Low scoring hey. game. Austin, before we let you go, you want to talk about locked in and some of the stuff you're doing with quarterbacks? Yeah, man, I'd love to. Uh, just basically, guys, the, the game of football has completely changed over the last decade, and we all see it. Um, we all see what's going on. College football has completely changed um, in that quarterback's play style has completely changed as well. Um, you go from seven-step drops and all of that stuff to now playing athletically within RPO systems and really requiring a lot of base and balance and a lot of changing directions, just um, being multi-directional with your body. Long story short, um, what's been exposed is basically that the, the, the throwers of the past did not throw the ball fundamentally correct. They put a lot of stress on their arm. Um, and yet we're here and people uh, in the top of the industry saying that Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Kyler Murray 
are outliers. Don't throw like them. They're outliers. Like they're just, they're just special. They're just Gumby. What? Like we have, we are now seeing it. Like you're seeing multiple guys do it. We teach that. We teach you how to throw the ball like Aaron Rodgers and Zach Wilson. You can watch me throw it like those guys as well. Obviously I'm not, you know, their pedigree at this stage in their career, but the mechanics, it's all the same. And if you really watch, you know, if you ask people, how does Tom Brady throw? Oh, Tom, he throws over the top. No, he doesn't. He completely changed how he throws three or four years ago. So debunking all that shit, because what's happening is at quarterback, you know, it's the most mentally intensive position in, in all of football. And, uh, and I played it and you can quickly get into this world. That's very, very difficult on the psyche. And so long story short, you know, you have all these coaches telling kids like that's undisciplined, like that's not right. You know why quarterbacks wear a knee brace on their front leg? It's because they overstride and they push off their back foot instead of being rotational, like Aaron Rodgers and Zach Wilson and Josh Allen and Kyler Murray. So we're exposing the public to that. But I was a director of recruiting in the SEC, started a player development program in the SEC. I have a master's in psychology. So it's very much a holistic football brand that serves the mind and heart of families all over the country. And uh, it's just exploding. And so it, it, that's that's really an elevator speech on it, a little bit more of a football mechanical elevator speech on it. Um, but the community that we built and, you know, we got Christian Hackenberg on board with us and my brother. Nice. And, um, it's just really cool exposing, you know, exposing this to kids and then ultimately building community because a quarterback's journey is actually very isolated. Everything you do is 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 facilitated in a way where you're competing with everyone yet it's the loneliest journey in all the sports because there's so much on you at that position on and off the field that if you don't have someone to talk to about that which none of us did we all sit there on our own struggling sitting in our basement or sitting in our room just going like fuck dude i don't know how i'm gonna do this i don't know well, so what we've done is like I have 17 college quarterbacks. We all talk to each other. We all they fly yeah. out here over the summer and we we do bonfire on the beach. And we talk about the shit that we're afraid of. You know, we talk about the things that we struggle with. Dude. And like when we do that, everyone realizes like we're all going through the same thing here. And that's what I'm trying to expose for everybody on a national level. It's harder to do it when you're not just out here running your mouth, talking shit about people and doing it through that negative lens. Like. That's not how I am either. Like I, we, we believe in having integrity and I have values that I stand on. And so I'm not going to expose these guys who are not doing it the right way. What I'm here to do is do it the right way. And I know that that'll win in the long run. Uh, well, on a somewhat somber note, I commend you for what you're doing because mental health is huge psychology. And yeah. ironically enough, K, K Wynn and I were at the WSU game that was Tyler Helensky's last. So that full circle. So what you're doing is awesome. I agree with you, man. So keep doing what you're doing. Hopefully you'll come join us when you get 10 for 10. Thank you very much, man. Appreciate you. Awesome. I'd love to. Anytime you guys want to talk ball, let's do it, man. Thank you guys very much. Absolutely. Be good. See you guys.